0: Thanks, Doug. Um, The Lord's Prayer, I would dare say, is the most well-known, most often recited, and most familiar prayer this world has ever known. It is often learned as a child whether by mom and dad or by a school, as children. Think back to yourselves. Where did you first learn this prayer? It's the most basic of Christian confessions. It's known for its simplicity in words, it's known for its, its uh, shortness in words, the economy of words. It's known for its simplicity in sentences. It's, it's taught as a prayer to verbally speak. And it's a prayer that is set in our hearts. It's there. We all know it. It comes to us in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew Matthew placed this prayer strategically between Matthew 5 and Matthew 7. That's the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount. And there's a reason why it's centered in the Sermon on the Mount. And it displays a complete dependency on our Father in Heaven. It's given to us with six petitions, in two symmetrical tablets. The first three petitions, praying that God would, and they're divine petitions. And the second are human petitions, three petitions for ourselves. Jesus says, this, then, is how you should pray. He invites his disciples to direct their prayers to his Father in heaven. Say, our Father in heaven. Now, the only one who rightfully can call God his Father is Jesus. Consistently taught to us throughout Scripture. And now Jesus says to his disciples, Jesus says to all who have ears, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. As if Jesus places his arm around us and lifts us up and says, hey, this is my dad and my dad is your dad. Daddy in heaven. How different than what the mystics try to do in our world. The mystics try to remove themselves from all reality. Or how New Age people try to see God in all of life, including in ourselves, looking within, trying to identify our Godness. Jesus says when you pray as if lifting us up and bringing us together with his Father in heaven bringing us in conversation with the creator of the heavens and the earth say our Father in heaven and then come the divine petitions three of them without giving these petitions much thought I used to think that we were the ones who were to hallow our Father's name. That we were the ones who were praying that we usher in his kingdom. That we are the ones to do his will. But there's no we in these first three petitions. Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray to God, God, hallowed be your name. God hallowed his name in creation. God hallowed his name in the the flood, in helping Noah build an ark, in providing a rainbow over which he instructed Noah, that rainbow will remind me, hallowed be your name. God's name was hallowed when Moses stood before Pharaoh saying, let me tell you who my God is that we want to worship. Ushering in ten plagues and then that tenth one taking all the firstborn in all of Egypt except those who were living in the land of Goshen with the blood of the Lamb painted on their doorposts. God's name was hallowed. Hallowed be your name! When Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit, when she gave birth in Bethlehem in a nearby cave, only to have angels come to the shepherds, wise men coming from the east, Hallowed be your name! Jesus was saying to his disciples, Pray, Hallowed be your name! Knowing the task which lay before him, As he was on his road to Jerusalem, as he prayed to his Father in heaven with anguish, as he hung on the cross, hallowed be your name. God's name is hallowed today. In the colors of leaves, in the salmon playing on the mouth of the 40-mile creek, in the hearts of teachers and children at school learning about the intricacies of God in and through His creation, throughout different faith communities here in the town of Grimsby, throughout this province of Ontario, all across Canada, and throughout this world, coming together on this name. Worshippers, hallowed be your name. There's something larger happening than what we can do ourselves, and God's Spirit continues to move in our midst. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, the second petition. This world is so much larger than our own agenda, than the agenda of our own governments. This world is a part of God's agenda. His kingdom was being established already in his creation, already when there was a fall, already in calling of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, already in giving the law to Moses, already in crowning David as king and saying that that throne will be there forever. In giving us his Son. Your kingdom come. It was the central message that Jesus came to preach in the world. His his most primary sermon that he preached over and over again in the synagogues around the region of Galilee. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In his death and his crucifixion. Revealing the fullness of God's kingdom in his resurrection from the dead. claiming life over death exposing the fullness of his kingship inviting hearts to open themselves to God's kingship in our hearts to Christ's lordship in our lives your kingdom come and then To know that this is not all there is, but there will come a day where there will be no more suffering, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more sin. Lord Jesus, your kingdom come. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Jesus knows that God's kingdom is much part of a larger story of which God continues to move in our world today. And then thirdly, your will be done. That's why Matthew placed this prayer in the center of the Sermon of the Mouth. Your will be done. Jesus was all about teaching what God's will is. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are mourning and grieving, for they will be comforted. I have made you to be a light on a hill. I have created you to be salt in the world today. Instead of exchanging an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to pray for those who persecute you. Instead of engaging in sexual immorality, I want you to be... A people of purity and righteousness. Instead of wrestling with greed in your lives, I want you to be known for your generosity. If someone asks you to walk with them a mile carrying a load, I want you to insist that you walk with them two miles. If someone asks for your shirt off your back, I want you to give them not only your shirt but also your cloak. God's Spirit is at work in our world today. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We went around trick-or-treat canning last night with some young people, with some children and their families, with some adults, and the food kept coming in. And this has been going on here in the town of Grimsby now for probably 10 years. started first at the Baptist Church, and people coming and assisting in the harvest. What a wonderful, wonderful concept. What used to be kids going from house to house, and teenagers and young people getting food for themselves, sweets, which we all love. And then add to that, let's also get food for others. To the point where there are people who are expecting it, waiting for them to come at the door. Say, yes, I've got it right here. And then hearing a couple of days later or hearing year after year, yeah, I've always got food prepared, but nobody comes to pick up what we have for Grimsby Food Bank. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is the prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples to pray Calling out God's Spirit all across this globe to continue his incredible ways of establishing his kingdom Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven May your love flow out And then and then just like the Ten Commandments where the first four focus on God, the next six focus on mankind here the first three petitions focus on God that work that he is doing and then on our dependence on God give us this day our daily bread Sue and I just got back from a trip out to Dort College and we had to drive through Illinois and Iowa if you have never been through the states of Illinois and Iowa during the time of harvest you are missing you are missing a phenomenal sight. Hundreds of combines, thousands of tractors and trucks, working three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks straight, Early in the morning before the sun rises, make sure everything's ready to go till after the sun sets with lights showing up and glowing in the field with poofs of dust all around, harvesting bushels and bushels and tons and tons of corn and beans. Give us this day our daily bread. We almost have a guilty conscience when we pray that, knowing, knowing that we have so much, we have such an abundance in food, And yet, and yet, we have been taught, and God's Spirit has shaped us where that word, our, is huge. Give us this day our daily bread. It becomes an issue of justice, which is why we have World Hunger Sunday, which is why we teach our young people, our children, already in early age, you know what, we need to give to those who don't have. And then it's more than just bread. For some, it's getting through the day. We had a wonderful banquet Friday evening at the Grimsby Life Center. We heard stories of of two women, one whose anxiety simply crippled her, did not allow her to go out anymore. And she was able to find help at the Grimsby Life Center on how to deal with her anxiety. For some, it is so hard to get through a day Give me this day what I stand in need of. Another testimony came from a woman who went through a separation and a divorce that she did not want. She was crumbled up in a ball of depression. And finally visited the Grimsby Life Center and there was able to talk through her incredible grief. Own that which was hers and give away that which wasn't. There are times in our lives where we struggle, too, to get through the day asking the Lord, we ne- I need your help. I can't do it on my own. Wanting to quit smoking. Wanting to re- refrain from looking at pornography. AA has, as one of their mottos, one day at a time. Give me this day, Father. What I stand in need of. NOT TO DRINK. THOSE WHO ARE WRESTLING WITH GRIEF, YEARNING TO BE COMFORTED. FATHER, GIVE ME THIS DAY WHAT I STAND IN NEED OF. GIVE ME THIS DAY MY DAILY BREAD. THE SECOND PETITION uh, regarding to mankind is, and forgive us our debts, our trespasses, our sins, our failures. Forgive us our failures as we forgive those who fail us, as we forgive those who sin against us, as we forgive those who trespass against us, as we forgive our debtors. Rabbinic teaching uh, believed that for every sin we committed, you would add another pebble to the weight of our shoulder and our debt so that our debt would continue to grow in weight and in size. But for every good deed, you would take out a pebble and you would put it on the side of of renewing your relationship with God. And so they worked hard at, at doing what was right, doing what was good, doing what was righteous. And then Jesus teaches this paradigm. Rather than looking and counting and balancing and trying to work it out, Jesus simply teaches them, Why don't you just ask for forgiveness of all your debt from your Father in heaven? And so he's teaching his disciples to pray this because he knows what's coming. He knows the direction he's going. He knows what's going to take place where he offers forgiveness to all who place their faith in him. Forgiveness of all their sins. And then he ties on to it. As you have forgiven those who have sinned against you, those who have trespassed against you, those who have, who have accrued a debt against you. He tells this parable of a man who, who, who's a master who called his servant in and said, you owe me 10,000 bags of gold. And I want you to pay for them now. As a matter of fact, I want you to pay for them by selling everything you have and by selling your wife and your children if you need to. And the man was so despondent, he came and he begged him. He says, please forgive me. Please let that debt go. And the master took pity on him and he forgave him. And that the same man, that same servant who was so forgiven, went and found another fellow servant, and he knew that he owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him, and he choked him, and said, Pay up, you owe me a hundred silver coins. And the man said, I can't, I don't have it right now. And he says, I'm going to throw you in prison until you do. And then, then the master heard. The master heard what what this servant had done. And he called him back and he said, I heard what you did to this man who owned you a hundred silver coins. I am going to throw you in prison and you are going to be tortured until you pay back every last penny to the full. So it is, Jesus said, with those who do not forgive, those around them, And so when we pray this Lord's Prayer, forgive us our failures as we forgive those who fail us, the question comes to mind, who, who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to forgive? And then the third petition, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In asking for bread, Jesus brings us into the present tense for the immediate needs that we have, showing our total dependence on him. In asking for forgiveness, Jesus has us look back. the one he speaks of food, the other he speaks of forgiveness, and in this third petition he has us look forward. And he has us pray of what's to come. And he offers us freedom. Because sin is incredibly seducive. Sin has a way of taking us away from our relationship with God, of removing our intimacy with Jesus. Sin has a way of stuffing our ears to the working of the Holy Spirit. Sin has a way of removing us from our neighbors, keeping us away from sisters and brothers in Christ. Sin has a way of putting tension in between families, parents and their children, children and their parents. Sin has a way of getting in between husband and wife, wife and husband. And Jesus teaches his disciples, say this prayer, add this to your prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Not that God is the one who leads us into temptation, but guard us from temptation. Do not allow us to walk into sin's house. But deliver us from the evil one. And that's where the Lord prayer ends. The early Christian church added a doxology to it to make it sound a little more sweet for our liking. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You will not find those words in Matthew. The Lord's Prayer begins with the Father, and it ends with the evil one. It ends with the, do- with the devil. almost as if Jesus is just shouting in our ears if we cannot hear the words that Joshua asked all of Israel when they were in the Promised Land Choose this day whom you shall serve Are you going to serve the gods of this land, the gods of Egypt or are you going to serve Yahweh? As for me and my household, Joshua said, we, we shall serve the Lord. Jesus invites us to see this world through kingdom eyes in which God is already at work, hallowing his name. And may your eyes continue to be open to his work in our midst. And then to recognize his kingdom that continues to unfold in all of this world's brokenness. There are so many different places. And he invites us to see it lived out in love. There are so many different places where this Lord's Prayer is learned. As we were beginning this service, I watched Dr. Richard Pern enter into the sanctuary, and I was reminded of his story, because he was on a football team. And he played football, and this is where he first heard about our Father in Heaven. He heard it from his coach, who taught all the players on the football team before each game, They would recite the words of the Lord's Prayer. That was Dr. Richard Pern's first introduction to who God is. And God's Spirit continues to introduce His presence in our world today. It's the prayer that Jesus taught us. One that we would do so well to begin each day again in the privacy of our homes in the quiet corners of our automobiles or cars certainly in the center of our hearts as we recite and pray these words together our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. What a wonderful God we serve. Reveals Himself to us in the very prayer that He's given for us to grow by and find ourselves strengthened with in our day-to-day lives. We're going to invite you to stand to sing our closing song of praise. Christian, do you struggle?